Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from India, America, we know you're listening. Today we've got a very special guest. At 26 years of age, recently ran 28 minutes and 54 seconds for 10k. I think that's astonishingly quick. But Nathan Jones, on the other hand, he wants more. That is not enough. And that's what makes him the special runner he is today. Suffering from colitis, he has managed to push his old body through the, the rigours of training and come back time and time again, dealing with that and yet moving forward. From a rural community, well actually no, Costa del Sol in North Wales, real I have fond memories of the two-penny slot machine in real. Amazing place. Welcome to the show. Mr. Nathan Jones! Woo! Hello. Thanks for having me. Cheers, lads. Welcome to the show, Nathan. And the, the great thing for me when I, when I hear you now, and we're training this morning with yeah. you. We're running this morning. And I, fe- I felt good today, and, and, and Matthew, alongside me here, is, is frazzled and fatigued. Oh, I'm so. It's my first 20 miles of the training block, so we're completely wiped now, so uh, I'm sure I'll do very little of the talking, but I'll, I'll try and get my boys yeah. in here. That's okay, Matthew. <laughs> You're only here to put on the laptop. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I joke. But I understand where Matthew's coming from, because when, on a Sunday, I don't know how if you feel this yourself, we go out there, yeah. Nathan and myself, we did 13 this morning, um, as the rest of the gang Matthew did a little bit more he continued on he ran home fair play to him but in the there's a period there where you're energised afterwards and you have some bre- breakfast something to eat and then all of a sudden you want to lie down in a darkened room is it the same for you Nathan? I say that's the joy of a Sunday you get the run out in the morning and then you just crash go to bed and you just have a lovely day relaxing don't you on a Sunday we would, we'd like to but we decided we were gonna. We we had we wanted you on the show anyway, and today we, we spontaneously. We, today is the day we, we're gonna do this, and and it's great to have you. I heard you just didn't want to look after a dog. That was a- oh. well, and there's that. Yeah, we're, we're dog sitting, and I've, I've had enough of. Well, I say I'm cleaning up the the sick and the pee, but. And your yeah. lovely miss, your lovely miss is living back home. She uh, said she'd do all that. She she's took one for the team. So big shout out there. to Yoda. Uh, <laughs> Cloda, sorry, what's it? Cloda, sorry. Oh, but don't meet her in this show. Do, do apologise, Cloda. But she's an Irish woman, uh, she is, yeah. and she she t- she she's the backbone of your success. She's been um, brilliant, yeah. She 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 bollocks me whenever I'm doing anything stupid, and she's kept me in check for two years now. And um, and yeah, it's it's really out of my training. Now, we, we don't have any sponsors on this wonderful, wonderful show, uh, but what we do like to do is support people who we come across in, in, in real life. And Mick Hall, I just want to give a shout out because um, I promised to do so and I always deliver eventually. At least I try to, you know. And um, Mick Hall, who was suffering with lymphoma cancer in 2017, he's doing very well at the moment. And we see him at many races taking f- f- very uh, professionally put, put photographer photography uh, he's brilliant at his job he is organizing the stone five mi- uh, miler is it uh, mile, I think, yeah. and that is set in the heart of staffordshire countryside the stone five is a challenging race with a good field every year this year there will be a virtual race oh, virtual races who wants them you know but the actual race will be the 25th of august at 7 15 and um 
that's a shout out to Mick, who's um, very much involved in that particular race. So, from real, Mr. Nathan Jones, um, what was your early childhood like being brought up in a community really surrounded by um, bandits and gamblers and, and uh, or was it really like that? Um, it was a rough place growing up, but it was it was a nice place as well. It's a tourist destination. You get a lot of people from over in Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham coming over. So the summers were always busy. There was always something to do, be that good or bad. As a kid, would you be around that sort of arc, sort of arcade? Oh, sort of, we, you, is that where you would be? We lived in them, yeah. That yeah. was what you'd do on the weekend. You'd go over and if you had no money, you'd, you'd shake the machines and you'd, you'd mess around in the arcades. That was that was where you gravitated to, was the seaside and then the beach and all the activities on the front and the bandits. That was, that was what you did. I, I remember going there with the school. I don't know if you've ever been there, Matthew, to Rill. I don't know if I have now, I'm not sure. Real? Well, I was there with the school on one, I was there one day, you know, and very unusual for the school to do anything for us, really. And we went there, and um, this particular young chap, I think it was in my class, I can't remember who it was exactly, but he got stung by a jellyfish. Mm. Um, and there was panic, you know. And yeah. Did you, did those jellyfish, are they dangerous? Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll tickle you if you mm. if they touch you, but I don't think they're dangerous. Yeah. Um, but there is loads and you see when the tide comes out they're all washed up on the beach um, you run on the beach many a times and you're always avoiding all these jellyfish that are kind of like stuck there so you, had, so you had a, a happy childhood and, yeah. and the, the next question I suppose would be how did you get into or when did you get into running and athletics um, so I was always quite an active kid I was always on the go out and about and when we went to high school we were always out every night uh, messing around, we used to call it getting chases, and we'd go out and we'd just, we'd just do stupid stuff. It was never bad, but it was mischievous, mm. you know, just to annoy people. Knocking on doors and running. Knocking doors in the way, throwing stuff at windows just to kind of get a chase, or like, they, I, can, <laughs> I could incriminate myself here, so I'm going to keep it PG, but yeah. We, we that, just is, do, that is, that is. I've never heard that introduction to the sport <laughs> before. That's, yeah, that's just, a new one. Just doing stupid stuff and but you'd be sprinting away from people chasing you and then you'd stop and then you'd sprint again. So essentially you were having like, you doing like an interval workout all night and putting in miles. My word, and this went on a, on a daily basis. Daily basis after school. You'd For years in, and you'd years. You'd get your tracksuit on, you'd get on your bike or you'd go out and you'd just, just, just cause loads of trouble and mess around. That was... God, why didn't I, why wasn't I brought up in real? My <laughs> God, that sounds like, yeah. So then there was that and then I played football and it was always, we had, we've got all the mountains near us so you go mountain biking as well. So I was always a fit kid. So when, when the school introduced you to cross country and PE and then there was the option to, to go on a Saturday and race at the, the county championships, I thought, yeah, I'll do that. It's a day off school. I'll go and do that. Hmm. So I went to them and... How old would you be now? Approximately. Year eight, so you're looking 12, 13, um, year seven and eight, yeah. So your first years of high school and you go to these competitions and I did quite well. I was like, I enjoy this. Like, I'm, I'm quite good at this. I never really thought anything of it. And then as kind of puberty hit and it got a bit bigger, a bit stronger, I was going to these races and I was I was being competitive. I was I was up there with the leaders. I was going to the, the qualifying to the Welsh Schools Championships, which is the third round of the, the school's cross country championships mm. and I was like this is like I'm doing okay this yeah. and from then I got asked to join a local running club Colwyn Bay which was mine so Colwyn Bay is that, is that quite cl reasonably close that's to about 10 miles away 10 miles from yeah, Rose, so, yeah. yeah joined them at the age of I think I went down when I was 15 and just fell in love with it 
Brilliant. fell in love. I used to just go and do the sessions on a Tuesday and a and a Thursday, whatever they were, and then I'd, I'd race on the weekend and do the cross country, and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And by the age of about sixteen, I made I had an ultimatum of carry on with the football or carry on with the running. Mm. And I dropped the football and went for the running. Can we give your 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 very first coach um, when you were at Colin Bay? Do you mm. recall? You he, call his name was Phil Oliver. Phil Oliver, um, and is he still coaching? I think he's still coaching now, and he's brought mm. a good few athletes through, uh, middle distance based. And um, we had a good little group, and there was always a lad there when I joined called Tom Early, and Tom Early was was light years ahead of me. He was mm. he was on he was on the Welsh teams, he was winning Welsh championships, and I was like. I want to be this guy. How old was was he? The same age. Same age, yeah. and I used to train with him, and it took me years to get up to his level. And I remember finally beating him a few years later, and I was like, Phil Oliver. Yeah. Phil Oliver had this particular group of uh, they were how old? 15, 16? Yeah, we were all that same age. And then you would high schoolers, and 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 it yeah, and then you would progress, and you did progress. You you uh, sorry, carry on the story. Yeah, so sorry, just but, gradually yeah. progressed through, but. Um, at that age, I just enjoyed going to the races. Every weekend, you'd get on a bus and you'd go somewhere. Mm. And there was a me and another lad. Every weekend? Or Most weekends, really? yeah. There'd be, like the, there'd be all the leagues on the track. So you, we'd do the North Wales League, we'd do the, the North West League. And then there was like um, there was the Welsh League. And you were just going somewhere different every week. Instead of, on one hand, I could play football and I would play in real world, playing press that. And I'd play like down the road. And it was... Or I could get on a bus and I could go and race in Cardiff or I'd be in Manchester. It was kind of that excitement of going somewhere and you'd have the day to mess around and then you'd, the second thought would be going and doing your race at the end of the day. I recall a quote from yourself and I really uh, I latched on to this message that you, you mm. sent me. You were saying, um, when you're feeling tired and you race, I think... I, Forgot what you said now. To be honest, when you when that sounds good that way. Um, the idea behind the message was you, you race tired. That's sort of when you yeah. build. You're building there. Yeah, you, that. I don't think you should go into every race feeling good mm. and hit the Hollywood every time. I think those those races where you've got to grind it and, and use it. It's the best way to train, isn't it? It's to practice your trade, and especially on yeah. tired legs. I think it's I think it's a essential part of training. Is is. And that's why you train. That's why you do the running is to do the races and, and go for the social and see everyone. So so why would you not do that more often mm. and go and run all the races? Uh, and you're, we're going to introduce your coach here because um, Steve Jones, Stephen Jones, mm. who is, is, is your coach and he, he's now based in, in uh, Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And for those who, who are listening and are unaware of his, his, his prolific career, he is still a, he was a world record holder mm-hmm. and the marathon his time is 207 13 yeah. it's still an all time sort of second behind Mel Farah um, yeah. absolutely prolific and also in terms of racing he would race quite often I believe yeah he was he, he always just encourages me to race practice your trade um, he was a big clubman. He'd always turn out and do all the club races and that. Yeah. Although when you raced your PB twenty eight fifty four, ten k, he wasn't fully in support of that particular race for some reason. I think he was in the end, but he was. I don't know if he was just teasing me with it or kind of like carrot on the end of the stick. But he was saying touch back probably four weeks in advance, saying touch back me next week. I don't really want you racing the ten k. Touch back again next yeah. week. What do you think that reason? What just. 
wasn't ready for I that or he wanted me running 1500s and 5k's um, with the ultimate goal of hitting that 10k time next year ready yeah. for the Commonwealths but and by the way your time is not 28.50 the, the aim is 28.30 28.30 so is it's, the, it's, the yeah. time to hit yeah, yeah. so but I, I figured I prefer to get a time on the board this year yeah. and then it opens options for races and heats and just kind of gives me a bit of an edge going into the next race instead of just going and saying oh I could probably run this and time. it gives you option but there's a race coming up at the, and they're not allowing you entry for that race um, I missed the entry for the Welsh Champs and yet you would be in a position to win that race and yet they, they're seemingly unwilling to have you in the race yeah I think it's one of those isn't it I think people are sticklers to the rules and especially with all the Covid stuff you can probably understand if, if you missed the deadline the deadline's been there for ages um, I've not actually told Steve I've missed the deadline yet oh so. god no he won't be happy but if he's, lis- <laughs> if he's listening the- <laughs> <laughs> so you dropped me in it there go go I, I you, said, you probably should have told Steve because surely he's got some weight you could have pulled and yeah, got you in right? yeah but um, it's one of those it's gone and I think I've, I've been in the last couple of weeks so it's it's probably for the best that I do miss it and just kind of crack on about a few of the races planned so just want to go right back into that story where you were because you, you, you your initial coach um, mm-hmm. I forget his name again Phil Oliver Phil Oliver and then you're moving forward how old are you now because you really started to become more and more competitive yeah so I was with Phil and Colin Bay until about what was I 17 and then I discovered the mountains um, by the way in, in real these mountains that you talk about I, I was unaware because it's a coastal sort of uh, so so rills in a valley in the Cluid Valley mm-hmm. and to the left and down south you've got the Cluidian Range which goes all the way from Prestatin way back to like Kangochlan and you've got like Mofami which mm. is, one, is I think one of the main mountains of the, Mo- the range yeah I've heard of Mofami um, so they're all like green rolling hills and then 45 minutes to the west you've got all the Snowdonia Range so your big boys like Snowdon and, and all the rest there so there was options within a small radius of, of loads of places to run. And would you have training sessions there with the groups? Or? Not with the group. The group is middle distance based and track based. Mm. And with the mountain biking, I'd always go to these places on the bikes. And then as I got into the running, I was like, this would be a cool place to run. Right. And then did it that way. And then So you went off on your own? I got off on my own. And to I just to go run away. up and down the hills? And I had no idea of training or programming. I'd go, I'm just going to run to the top of that mountain. And I'll see how I feel. And I'll go one here. No watch, no anything like that. And it'll be, it could be five miles, it could be ten miles, fifteen miles. It just, just go for the day out. And how old are you now in this story? It was probably about fifteen, sixteen at the time. Um, and then it was when I was seventeen. The club were hosting a, a mountain race, um, hmm. in Colwyn Bay up, up the foothills there. Why would your club host a mountain race if they're not involved in any mountain running? Or are, they're not actually. Yeah. They haven't got a, a mount. They did a bit. I mean, most clubs in North Wales have some associations to the mountains mm. um, but they, they're not heavily involved but they were hosting the race it was the Fox Trot and I think it was it was a 10 plus mile race is that a ballroom dance? could be could be <laughs> but it was the Fox Trot whatever it was mountain race yeah. and um, and I turned up and you had to be 18 to do it so I lied on the form oh, got God. in the race yeah. and um I think I came third. I did really well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there was some good, good talent around you. So yeah, yeah, some good, some good, like strong senior athletes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was a fella called Arwell Lewis. He's from a Rory Harris. He does a lot of the the Welsh athletics, like mountain team stuff. And he was like, "How old are you?" 
but uh, like, do you do you run competitive? I was like, yeah, and he was like, and he invited me to the the Wales and England mountain running camp. Yeah, yeah. So I went to that that whenever it was autumn, uh, and then I got invited to run for Wales in the British and Irish mountain running championships. And from then on, for the next couple of years, I just fell in love with the mountains. Um, I got to represent Wales multiple times in Slovenia, Italy, yeah. and then I went. So, um, on this the G- GB teams, the World and European Championships in Poland and Turkey. So that was that was all I wanted. I totally disregarded the track and just focused on the mountains. Really, yeah. And, and this is at 17. 17, 18, yeah. just before I went out to the States, yeah. And you, you went out to the States because you, you won a scholarship. How did you achieve that? Um, so at the time, I was I was running for a Rory Harriers then. I'd moved from Colwyn Bay and I was running on the mountains and I got quite fit, my 10K was quite good, but I didn't have that track turnover. So when I was looking to go to colleges in America, I was emailing around, and they were like, well, can you send us over your times? And I was like, well, I don't really have times. I was like, I've run up mountains for the last like two or three years. So I was struggling to find a place, and then there was a lad that I knew called Ryan Holroyd out at university, um, and he was like, do you, do you need a place? We're looking for athletes. And I was like, yeah, like I'm desperate to go. And in the space of about three or four weeks, I'd been in touch with the coach, Ben and Gilroy. He was like, yeah, fill your forms in and we'll get you over. And I was on a flight over to Houston and that was it. I was So really because of contacts? You, you through were friends at... over here, yeah. yeah. Well, not yeah. even friends. It was it was a lad that was a few years older than me that ran in the Staffordshire League. Colin Bay were in the Staffordshire League. I don't know why. Who could vouch for you, really. And he Well, he yeah. added me on Facebook after that because I think I won the juniors and he won the age group above. And I just had him on Facebook kind of just through... I don't know, just, I guess, interest of, of what we were doing. And he messaged me out the blue. So, yeah, Facebook, really, and just contacts through running. See me a place to McMeeson, uh, Louisiana. What, what, um, what division were they in? Was, was McMeeson out there? They were Division 1. Division 1. We, um, they have FBF and FCS. And I think the FCS are, like, the big schools. Yeah. So, like, LSU and Texas A&M. Yeah. University of Texas, they were, like, local schools that were big. Sorry, you using all these abbreviated uh, for me and the listeners. Mm. Many of them won't understand that FSC. I'm B- not too B- sure what it is, but it's basically two categories within Division One, and it's it's something to do with money and funding. Oh, yeah. So, like, I think it's the FCS is the bigger one. So they've got more funding; they put more money into sports. They're the ones you see on like ESPN with mm. all that, and then the the smaller ones obviously have a lower fund. But we were we were really competitive for for like a lower school within Division One. We uh we'd beat most of the local teams, especially in cross country too. So yeah, we we were a lower funded school, but we had less expectations. Yeah. You see a lot of athletes go out there, go to these big schools, and they just get put in the meat grinder. Yeah. You know, and and they don't make it, and they just get injured, and they're just thrown by the wayside. The meat grinder being um what jump miles or too much. Yeah, just you too just much. go in and you, you or just the com- competition sort of the NCAA like. Yeah. It's yeah, just, just like you you you've got the rounds. You know, like the Northern League that we do and stuff like that, and you compete and. You get thrown in random events sometimes and stuff like that, but you know with the NCAA's and stuff, you, you it's all about the point system for the school and the funding yeah. then that the, the that the team gets from the school. You run for the school, and you don't run for you. You know if you've got a chance of a medal, or the team's got a chance of a medal, they'll always emphasise the team medal. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I can't speak on behalf of other schools, but if you imagine training with Josh Kerr every day, and you're not at that level, it's just gonna it's either going to make you or break you isn't it yeah and that's the mentality is a big school like that can then if you get injured the next year they can bring in someone of equivalent 
yeah. talent. Nice. Just like that. Can't and what happens to your scholarship then? Is it? You you keep the scholarship. They do honour it. It's not as cutthroat as people think. Mm. Um, they can't just cut your scholarship like that unless it's reasonable cause, like you can't run at all. Mm. Um, but what I found with our school at McNeese is I went in and I was looked after because they don't bring as much talent through. So what they have, they kind of nurture a lot more and look after. And I, I think I was looked after a lot and that helped me come along so much more than what I would have been if I was just thrown into a big school. The scholarship... Um includes uh, flights accommodation uh, tuition does it include even spend what, what what do you get for your scholarship so the tuition um so the scholarship was i pay my for my flights over there and then they set you out so they pay for your tuition they pay for your board food you're just set once you're there so so i lived off campus and if you're off campus they give you a, a like a a stipend that, every month. Was that a choice to live off? Yeah, you can live on or off. If you live on campus, they they set up your board and you go to the canteen and you get fed in the canteen every day. Would that not be easier? Mm. Why did you choose to go off? You have a bit more freedom if you're off campus. Oh, okay. Like you, you're in these like student bunk bedrooms and it's... How did you realise that? Because you'd never done that before. You made that decision. Was people telling you that to go so, off? So we, me and a lad from Yorkshire that I knew from running on the mountains we were going out the same year together. So our coach put us two together in a dorm and we were in a dorm. This dorm was four bedrooms. Um, each two people share a bedroom. So you're in the same room sleeping together with someone. Sorry, this is on campus? On campus, Oh, yeah. so you started off on? Well, we were placed in there and then the other three rooms were with American footballers, big, like big American footballers. Yeah. And all they were doing was smoking weed. Oh we opened God. the door. Really, yeah? And all you could smell was pot as soon as we walked in and I was like whoa like oh. and this is on campus yeah on so, campus so you would think like it was, it was obviously yeah, you wouldn't get away with that yeah one. you shouldn't have so we went in I went to my coach I was like I'm not staying there like yeah, this yeah. is that this, I'm not like I can't yeah. do a year in here god and he was like right okay let's go to the, the guys yeah the uh, like the the, prefer, uh, like the office whatever it was yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and then and they were like well you've signed a contract you're going to have to be in there for the year mm. and Brad my roommate the lad from Yorkshire he was like well, can, can, we see the, can we see the contract? I don't think I've signed anything. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I've signed anything. Uh, he was like, click, 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 click. Couldn't find anything. Really? And he's like, well, you, you've not signed anything, so you, you can leave. And at that point, we were like, no, we're living off campus. Right, yeah, you can leave and live off campus. It didn't affect your scholarship, though. No, no, so they just transferred us over to off campus, and then you get a, you get a stipend then every month. What's, to, a, what's a stipend? So you get paid, we got $800 a month. Oh, yeah. That pays for your rent. And then whatever's left is your living expenses. Oh, that's nice. Food, whatever. Did you have much left? Yeah, you had plenty left, really? which was brilliant for, for buying you. stupid stuff. And you <laughs> did you choose where to stay off campus yeah. or, or did they pick it for no, you? No, that's the stress. You're on your own. You find your place. You you sort everything out. Of, so. And you were able to find... Um, yeah, we, we well, we actually, we all, there was, there was four of us that were in the same situation. We all were living on sofas for the first month when we were in America. Um, we actually pulled the sofa off the side of the road um, brought it in and it had bed bugs so yeah. I didn't even know brought it into worse sorry into this house we were staying in one of our teammates house god so Damn. I didn't even think bed bugs were a thing yeah. but they all as soon as they're in the house they just spread oh god and we were all coming to, to training with bites and oh my we, we were all like covered in bed bugs and, and then we took them we all took them to our own apartments then once we moved out and that was just, it was a nightmare. We all had them for like half a year. 
what you you, you transported the <laughs> all that, yeah, all that, yeah. the bed bugs. Yeah. So this was <laughs> how did you manage to without the sofa transport them to your new accommodation? Like clothes, clothes suitcases, really, yeah? any fabric yeah. they yeah. will hide in, and you don't see them in the daytime. And really? then at night they creep out and they'll can you, eat you alive. Can you see them in the nighttime? Not really. No, you can't. Sleep, you, you can't. Know, no, I mean, because yeah. no, because they hide underneath like seams in the mattress. Are or, they microscopic? No, they're probably the same size as like a a tick. Like a, you can uh, see them like and, that. And I suppose the next question is, how do you get rid of them? And, and they're very hard to get rid of. Wow. You either have to like you can try and fumigate the stuff, like the room. Um, we ended up just throwing all the stuff away. Throwing all your clothes. All away and just coming back the next year and buying all new stuff. And what about, it's in the house as well, though, isn't it? In the carpet. So how did you... Well, we were renting, so we just... So you moved a common... moved away, yeah. yeah. So you left the bed bugs with <laughs> someone. Probably still there now. My God, but, yeah. yeah. that was the first couple of months in America. That was the, the dream we were on. <sighs> Living on the sofa, getting eaten alive by bed bugs. And the person who you, who helped you out initially, you, you came in, you know, with the bugs. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he must is he still your friend <laughs> I think so it was they were quite pissed off with us but yeah uh, we, we didn't pick anything up on the side of the road after that that was the last thing we picked up off, and our coach was fuming because he, he, he's, he's quite uh, which coach was that so Brendan Gilroy he's Brendan. quite animated and he's very like what about the bed bugs just about everything so what's and we, got, uh, well, we picked up a sofa off the side of the road and we was like well, why would you do that because <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. didn't want to lose the rest of our $800 a month yeah, you know, yeah. a sofa is quite expensive we, we, yeah, yeah. Not, um, interesting times so that was the first couple of months that was the first couple of months Yeah. did it get better yeah well, even then it was just brilliant because well, I'd lived at home my whole life and there was a lot of lads in the same boat and we were all just away in this house, we'd all go running in the morning, and then we'd just have like our school, like uni didn't start for a couple of weeks, so we were just like just running free, doing whatever we wanted, like, um, and it was just it was just brilliant. It was just a brilliant lifestyle. It's still even though you'd had a couple of months um, tossing and turning and scratching, yeah, and then you started running. To, you still hadn't even started your studies. Um, no, I think like they, they, you go out a couple of weeks in advance yeah. just to get everything set up and. And then, so you can hit the ground running when the, when school opens. Yeah, a couple of week months, you mean? Not a couple of weeks. Um, I think say the the semester as they call it over there. Sorry, semester yeah. started September first. You we went out in like early April. How many people were in this room that you were? Um, so we had there was three. There was four lads that lived in this house, hmm. um, and then there was four of us that moved into the house as well. So there was one on each sofa in the living room. And there was just stuff everywhere. On the sofa that you found at the side of the road? Yeah. Same sofa? Well, no, there was four different sofas. I think two of them were in there already. And then we brought two in. And then, <laughs> yeah, the folks. So, yeah. So, it was, it was honestly, it was like a refugee camp in here. There was clothes everywhere. There was... So, in total, there was how many bodies? <laughs> Eight. Well, that's an amazing training camp, isn't it? That's that's what you need. And that's well, what... Is, yeah. that, is that what pushed you on even further at that time? Um... Yeah, like the group mentality out there is, it's it's huge. You know, like we were all, we like with the with the heat out there, we were all getting up at six o'clock in the morning to run right. every day. For how long? I mean, tell um, us about those sessions as well. You know, all those, so, that time um, the training built up to uh, my last year. I was running like eighty to a hundred miles 
probably fairly sensible what I'm doing now. Two sessions a week in the long run. So we do... One Bra- this is Brendan Gill's giving you this information. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is, you turn up and you do this, this, this. So. And did he talk about diet as well? And, and mm. or did, Was he just purely training based? Or did he... He'd obviously he... encourage you to eat well, but you, you're responsible for your own stuff like that. You know, you, you're 20 years old like now, really. Yeah. So you, you should be well aware of what you should be eating and what you should be doing. But we, although, I, I completely agree with you. Although we had, we had Anne Griffiths on the show um, a couple of weeks ago and, and her coach from from Sale Harriers um, mm. Norman Poole mm. interestingly I was astonished and and, and um, also um, ad, uh, admired what, what what the efforts that he'd gone to he'd mm. scripted everything within her day but she went to the Olympics you know mm. 92 uh, Barcelona and he scripted for her like every sort of sounded like every every minute of the day almost yeah, yeah, yeah. well not quite but it I, th- I thought, my God, you know. It's a bit too much, really. Yeah. Opinion, yeah. yeah. I suppose it depends on the individual. Yeah. But like, Brendan was, he'd make you train, he'd do that, but then you, it was up to you, the rest of the other stuff that you did. And it was quite interesting, living with a group of other lads, you all want to progress, you all want to do better, and you're all picking up tips off each other. Like, I learned so many cooking tips off friends out there. I learned how to cook off all my teammates, because I didn't know what I was cooking or doing. Um, and you pick up tips off them, they pick up tips off you, so... I learned most of the stuff off, off my teammates, really, yeah, and yeah. that group mentality. You know, there was people from all walks of life. We had people from Spain, Kenya, Australia, New Zealand, like all over the world. Are you still in touch with those people? In you, touch with all of them, yes. You, some, some of the best mates that I've met, like really good and friends. out of that particular house of athletes, um, nine, eight athletes living together. Yeah. Um, who has, has gone on so far, you know, to achieve... Um, a lot of them, a lot of them were exhausted by the time they finished. A lot of them were just mentally kind of switched off from the sport because it's it's an intense lifestyle out there. You find that Matthew's mentioned yeah. that to me before. He, this idea that um, the burnout after university life—it's mm-hmm. like oh, I want to do something else now. It's, the, also, it's also the way that like sport in in the US is sort of mm-hmm. the classics is in the US. It's like it's it's you know it's all built around the NCAA. Yeah. Once once you sort of leave that that safety, I suppose, of, of that mm-hmm. system, it then becomes. You're either good enough that you turn pro and you get into one of the yeah. pro teams or something like that, or you, you sort of that's it, you've done, go and yeah. do something else sort of thing, really. Yeah, it's a shame, but that's it. Like it, the, the NCAA is the pinnacle of collegiate years, and then it's kind of like, you get some that go on and a lot that go on, like you said, that are pro, but um, a lot just call it a day, like mm-hmm. talented kids. We're a lad, uh, one of the lads I trained with the most, probably, Enrique's name was, uh, really good 10K runner. I think he ran 29, 40-odd. Um, and as soon as he finished he never ran a step again he said I'm done that's it I was like, well, like talented lad but that was it he just like, he, he, it served its purpose he's got his education he got a degree yeah well I mean that was it work and, you've and got that stuff. yourself you're now a teacher yeah and and you've gone scholarship and it's it's it's, take, it's given you so much hasn't it it's but, given um, me so much I think if I didn't have the running I wouldn't have gone to university I wouldn't, I, I don't you wouldn't know be a teacher. I, I think today. I owe so much to running in terms of I don't know where I'd be without it. What about the academic side of things? Did did the were they did they push you on in that regard? Were you having to work mm. hard to get that that? Or, it's a huge or did, push. Or did they just tick all the boxes for you? No huge push. So so the way the the, the college system works out there is you've got to achieve a C or higher in all of your classes to be able to compete. If you don't have that that average, 
then you are um, what's the word? Like you're invalid. You, you disbanded or you, well, you're not disbanded, but you, you can't compete. You can't compete. You can't compete if you don't have the grades. Well, you can continue on in the schooling. Yeah, yeah. You, you've yeah. just got to kind of you've got to correct those grades until you can compete again. Do they make exceptions for astonishing athletes? I'm sure. I think there's a lot of grey areas, especially in the realm of football, where there's so much money on the line and so much publicity. Um, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a few scandals where people. What I can't understand that. is not everybody is built for university. Clearly no. not, you know, and 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 you you must have people that you know like the wacky backy uh, mm. footballers that you you encountered on yeah. your first day smoking in, in the room mm. um, they don't sound to me like they're ready for university but they're oh, there because it, they're yeah. very good at what they do the yeah. sport and yet they're being forced into a system of education yeah um, in order to be able to do what they love doing which is playing football and at the same time it sounds a bit odd to me it is it's, it, it's good in a way because you do come away with a degree but then these like the people that aren't switched on for it that want to just play are doing the bare minimum. They're doing the the basicest course. And and the put, bare minimum. putting you off, maybe uh, you stood it or putting people off around them. You know, if they're not interested. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of people that weren't in that that sport, like in the sport world, that were going to the university that, that really hate not hated the athletes, but yeah. didn't like the way they were. They were almost treated like That's, better. You know, like they were kind of like pushed through. Yeah, it's interesting. So you got in your university. Uh, you call it again, sorry. McNeese. McNeese. So you've also got people who are not involved in any sport whatsoever, who are there just to study primarily. And they've yeah. Paid for yeah. tuition themselves, yeah, yeah. maybe. And then they've got these American footballers. Um, anyway, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, how that works, you know. It's, it's not an ideal, I don't think. It's not. It, it, it leaves you open to a lot of grey areas, doesn't it? And a lot of, like... There's definitely stuff that goes like under the table and you know like ticking people off and that goes on, but that's that's the way the system works and that's what happens is that's the only answer answer isn't it to which would mean you you'd have teachers um, not not yourself obviously you work very hard for your grades who um, have have had the the grades given to them yeah. because of, it was of, more just yeah. the football and the baseball like yeah. the the cross country and stuff like that is. I mean, it's, it's not as big of a sport as, mm. as, say, them other ones. So you were kind of just, yeah. you just had to do the grades. There was none of that stuff with us. And then, um, yeah, our coach, Brendan, he he really stressed the grades. He he was a big academic guy himself. I think he was a teacher when he was younger. So he, he stressed the grades. Is Brendan, is he still there to this day? He's still there now, still, yeah. He's still coaching. He's still in touch with Brendan. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think he had a huge influence. He, he mm. brought me on leaps and bounds from my first year. So Tell us about Brendan's Brendan's coaching method then, if you, if you will. So he's he's quite old school in a way. You know, it's um, he's not too interested in like crunching numbers and, um, and doing all that stuff. But um, So it was two sessions a week. One would be a longer tempo. And then another one would be on the track. So, so a tempo would usually be about six to eight miles, I'd typically do. And you usually work your way down um, from like 520s down to under five minute pace. And then you get on the track and it'll be 2400s, um, six by 800 um, with some 200s. It's just quite basic stuff, but. In the sessions, yeah. did you find he was really pushing you? Yeah, he's quite to, an animated guy. To the max, and he was on animated on the yeah. sidelines. So he'd, he'd get you going. With, yeah, his, yeah. with his stopwatch. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, and he'd cycle with you every day on the regular runs. So, so most of our regular runs would be about eight miles, and he'd come and cycle with you for them. Um, what was his background? I mean, I, I don't know nothing he, about Brandon. He was an athlete at McNeese himself, mm. um, long distance athlete. And then I think he, he taught, and I think he might have coached at a middle school or a high school. Mm. And then I think he found his way into McNeese. So now tell us about that time in McNeese uh, in competition and 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 because you're you're running something like the like some of the I suppose if any of the the, the listeners are, you know obviously follow the, the track and field and athletics the some of the the big meets that mm. are recognised over in the UK that yeah. you know, sort of I mean what you got you got uh, what Mount Sapri no, yeah. uh, Texan A and M invitation was yeah. well, like some you know some of the sort of I suppose well known ones that we we sort of hear about over here and yeah. people. Uh, always up on the, uh, the let's let's run for it that's that's like the beauty that, yeah. of i think that's the beauty of the sport is and you can see that over here and like you can have everyone on the start line it's not it's not kind of as specific as say like football where it's two teams and the elite play the elite whereas in, in cross country as long as you're on the line you're, you're okay you know you've seen a lot of bit a bit of politics in some of the races where say it's the likes of me and someone else with an equal PB trying to get into a race and they'll pick the other lad because he runs for a big school and yeah. they look good for the TV or whatever. Um, but generally speaking is you could get in all the big races if you'd, if you'd run fast enough. So um, like the likes of Mount Sac and we went to San Francisco for a few races and Princeton for a cross-country race. They were the carrot on the stick. If you were running well and you were performing and behaving yourself, you got to go to these big races I've heard of Princeton. Whereabouts is that again? New New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. which is in is New Jersey. Jersey. It's a tall state. Right, you fly oh, so into New York and just just drive right, over, yeah. Right near New um, York, yeah. But so like they'd be the big races you'd go for, and then you'd have your conference and your regionals, which would be that be the the ultimate goal is getting yeah. fit for them and, and performing there for the university, and then you would do other races along the lines where you drive. So we were we were. I say it's close. You'd be like four hours from the local Texas races, and um, we'd drive to Florida relays sometimes, which was ten hours on coach. Florida. That's quite yeah. a distance from yeah. So big driving stints, but you were on the road every weekend, and it was it was it was good fun. You were away with your mates, and you were in a hotel, and then you were racing, and, and that that was all paid for as well. That was all paid for. Yeah. You didn't have to worry. Sometimes you'd get on the bus, and you wouldn't even know where you were going. And it, I took it for granted when I left, and I was like. Book my own races and book my hotel and book my travel and it was stuff I never even thought about when I was there because yeah. it was all taken care of for you. And then we'll, we'll come to that. That that'd be interesting. The mm. the, the uh... well, I was going to say then I suppose that that transition then from mm. from college then obviously finding yourself obviously going to, yeah. to with Steve um, and and the uh, Boulder Harriers group and yeah. things like that. Like how did you how how did you get into that? You know get connected up with Steve there and, and into that sort of group and stuff um, so, so if I was set on coming home I was I ran my fourth my fourth year there so my final year and um, I really invested in the winter big mileage I thought right I'm going to go out on the bank I'm going to run really well PB and everything and um, we went we did a lot we did um, a home meet did a 3k and I ran 8.40 or something and I was like oh this is it my season's done I'm just ready to go home. I kind of like totally just figured I was like, I've goosed myself here. Uh, and then we went to Florida Relays a couple of weeks later. And I was like, right, I'll just get around, see how I run. If I get close to a PB, that'll be okay. And uh, I came away and I ran 14.02 and won the race. And it got me thinking. I was like, maybe I should stay and look at like professional groups or doing something here. I was like, once I go back to the UK, 
it's going to be extremely hard for me to come back over. So I was like, if I stay and do it all now, and like I've got no regrets. Yeah, yeah. So looked at a few groups, Boulder and Flagstaff were the two standout places. Um, and I actually looked, got in touch with a group in Boulder called Hudson Elite, right, yeah. coached by Brad Hudson. Um, and they got back to me and were like, yeah, yeah, we'll take you on. Just sort your visa out and whatever you need to do. Um, and then we'll, we'll sort you out. So went to the international office and explained the situation. They were like, right, you need to pay $300 and we need to process your visa by the end of the week. Um, that's when the deadline is. And this is like, this is on the Wednesday. And I was like, well, I've got this big decision to make now. If I'm paying the money, I'm staying. Yeah. But there's nothing in concrete. So I thought, right, screw it. I'm just going to pay the money and commit to going to Boulder. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of weeks went by, I didn't hear anything. And the, it, it turned out the club were disbanding. They were, they were dissolving. I was like, well, I'm committed to, to staying here now. So I kind of went back home and just went with the intention of, I'm going to move to Boulder. And if there's anywhere I can find a training group, it's going to be there. So I just went out and I found a house on Craigslist. Didn't know if that existed. Um, turned up there. And then the first week, just went around working out, found, trying to find a job. And then I got in touch with Steve and he was like, yeah, come down for a Sunday run, see if you like the group. And yeah, that was it. That was involved with the group then. Mm. Loved it. So you, you got in touch with Steve and, and it was as simple yeah. as that. That was that was just the second. I didn't even know Steve lived out there really. Right. And then someone, I think it was Derry or someone said, yeah, Steve's in Boulder. Yeah. And I was like, he's, like, he's Welsh and he's AB perfect fit. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I went and, and yeah. Uh, and by the way, four years in a teaching degree, I thought it only took about three. Um, what, why four? All the degrees out there are four years. Right. Well, typically four years. You can do it in, in longer or shorter time, if depending on if you take more classes in a semester. or. Um, but the standard length is four years. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yet you could do a teaching degree over here in three years, maybe. Mm. But standard four years, four years, and then... Yeah. You, you've made that decision and you've come back again to Boulder. Yeah. Um, which is how far away, sorry, because I don't know America very well. It's so, from, from where you were. So Louisiana's like deep south, right on the Gulf Coast. Oh yeah, that's where you were. Um, it, was, it was about a two and a half hour flight to Colorado. Right. Um, it's it's the west side of America, but it's landlocked. It's, it's inland. Right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's pretty much, I mean, the last couple of years has pretty much become sort of like, I suppose the Mecca of, of running out in, mm. in the States like it's yeah. you know you, you, if you watch any of like the YouTube uh, runners and stuff like that out in the States and stuff like everyone's uh, Morgan McDonald and stuff like that's now yeah. out there with the on team and things um, is this to do got, with altitude? well yeah it's the altitude, it's altitude. Uh, and it's just the, I think it's the affordability of Boulder and stuff like that is it? Is it's, it's quite it's, an expensive place to right. live and it's, it's that's what I struggled with was the prices of yeah. everything there but um, yeah like the, there's just tons of places to run the weather's a lot better than say Flagstaff where you're a bit higher up and you're more prone to snow and colder weather um, and then it's just you're right on the you're on the suburbs of Denver so you're not you're not in a secluded little mountain town you, you've got a big urban area around you as well so it's it's like the best of both worlds is what I really liked um, Are you, you, so you start training with this particular group mm-hmm. and uh, you have now ambitions of taking this very, very seriously. Mm. Um, and have you forgotten about teaching? Um, yeah, so I just kind of, it was always in the back of my mind. I figured, I, I thought I was going to live up there and I was like, I should probably 
get involved in a school, but um, I ended up working in a bagel shop. Um, brilliant job. Is it co- what was it called? It was called Moe's Bagels. Oh, yeah. um, it was brilliant. They, they fed you. You could have as much as you wanted to eat in there. The hours were great. It wasn't that busy. The tips were good. And it was just a, it was just a DOS. You went in and you had a laugh with, with the lads you were working with. It was a load of people the same age, same mentality. Um, probably the best job I've ever had. And you, <laughs> and you put on a lot, a lot of weight. Uh, yeah. No, it was all right actually, but yeah, it was. Um, you could have easily put on a lot of weight, like yeah, um, if I wasn't training that much. Um, I remember, I remember when I was in America. I was very young. Dunkin' Donuts, do they still exist? Dunkin' Donuts still there, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. A, a huge chain. Yeah, yeah that's still yeah, there. Uh, coffee and Dunkin' now, just Dunkin'. Oh, what was it called? What was it called before? Dunkin' Donuts. That's they, just they called the Donuts. It's just Dunkin' now. Oh, Dunkin'. Yeah. Dunkin'. That's where uh, Molly Snyder, who who finished third in the the Olympic marathon the other day, she she used to work there. Mm. She was yeah. going to pack in the sport, uh, pack in running a, a year or two ago, but and um, sell more donuts yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was it was a cool little spot like you'd get all the athletes in like you'd have Emma Coburn coming in and you'd just you'd be like whoa yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it, was, it was pretty cool yeah because they're, yeah, they're team team Bossard they're based are they, they're based in, they're based in Boulder they, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so yeah, it's yeah. like Dom Scott and, and all them I think yeah. yeah they're out there yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you're 26 at the moment Nathan but at the time we're talking you're 22 we're going back only four years and mm. you're in and how did this develop? How did it materialise? Did you feel improvements? What was the legendary Steve, Stephen Jones, what was his uh, coaching methods like? And you're still under him now. Yeah. How have you progressed? And in person, that would be interesting. I, Tell us about that. I, I just love this mentality. Just He's old school. He's, he's, not, he's not that animated and like extreme. He just kind of comes along and he'll, he'll crack a joke at you and he'll laugh at you if you're struggling. Um, but it was it was simple training, you know. Don't crunch any numbers. You, you didn't even want you to wear a watch, really. Um, but it was it was bread and butter. Every Tuesday you do five minute reps at the same place. Every Thursday you run on the track, and then every Saturday you do hills, and then you do a long run. Would you would you runs in between that? But every week you'd be sort of yeah. Give it give and take races when races were like vary between. You'd chuck in a couple of three minute efforts instead of five minute efforts or you do something different on the track, you wouldn't do the same session. And then you'd vary between one minute to two minute reps on the hill. So And all the group is training for what particular distance? A lot of them were marathon specific, um, but it was quite similar, the training. Oh, you, w- you wouldn't be though at that time? No, but it was, so say I'd do four by five minutes, they'd do five by five minutes. Right, right. And that was the only variation, yeah, which interesting. I didn't think would be marathon training, but it seems to work for the guys. There's a guy that's just ran 209 in the group, Really, Ian yeah. Butler. Ian Butler. Um, yeah. We've talked about him on the on the podcast. Yeah. He, was, uh, he was one of my inspirations for, for my marathon going into it. Yeah. He, he ran at the, uh, the the marathon project back in, in December where he ran that two oh nine. He hadn't run his two sixteen or something like that. Yeah, before yeah, yeah. And then yeah, he, he came out and, and smashed it. He went through the halfway point faster than he ever run a half marathon yeah. sort of thing. And everyone was they they uh, the commentators were going mad on it, going, oh, is he going to yeah. blow up? Is he, how's he going to do? And stuff like that. And Again, he's, it's just, he was a tough lad and he just, he just fitted into that Steve Jones mentality of just working hard in yeah. the sessions and being aggressive in races. I love this idea of working hard. I believe Steve Jones, he was, um, not bog standard, but there was a point there where he, he was, you know, and to make that difference, it was, he, he worked his socks off. I think that, that could be a quote from him. He, mm. he, um, he really, worked so hard 
yeah. put the training in and got the results at a level no one had ever seen before. Yeah. Uh, that's a nice to hear when someone works hard and, and, and achieves yeah. fr- from that. You, you can relate to it because he, he worked his whole life, you know, so you can kind of relate Did to it. What do you mean? He worked in... He, the, was, he was in the RAF oh, uh, yeah, as cool, a mechanic, yeah, yeah. but he worked all day, yeah. like manual labour. So you, you can kind of, it's, it's nice to, it's refreshing to hear that, that he wasn't a professional athlete and he wasn't like just sitting and recovering and doing all that. He was, he was working and he was, he was running hard and able yeah, to, yeah. to do the both of them. Two hours, seven, 13 for the marathon, mm. Steve Jones. Do you see yourself going into the marathon at some point? I think so. Yeah. I think I probably need to learn to, to have more patience, but I think that's that'll be my baby when I kind of interestingly you, you and Matthew you seem to share this this I've seen this before where you, you, you both you've charged off mm. in the lead in races and, and blown up yeah I've seen Matthew do this I've seen you, your good self do that mm-hmm. is this what you're talking about when you talk about patience yeah. to, to reel that think, in think, reel that energy in and and, and cause look, yeah, I really want to know the, the, the mentality on that there uh, Cheshire, <laughs> because I, I remember sat there. Yeah. I went off with the with the, the pacemaking group of uh, Jake Smith and yeah. Phil Sesman there, and we saw you off ahead, and I didn't know it was you at the time, yeah. and, and you were you were you were gone oh, just right, out was, there, yeah. and I was thinking, and I mean I, I mean they were mostly the rest of the guys in the group, the half guys mm. that were in there, and I was because they were going at five at two ten pace, and yeah. which is what I trained that, but knew was probably going to be cooking it for me to be fair, but but you know they they were like. Oh, Who's that guy? Where he said he wants to go at this pace, sort of thing. You're like, well, let's uh, see if he carries on going. But we all thought you were you were doing the marathon because you didn't have uh, didn't you didn't put your number on the yeah, back. Yeah. They said you were the half. So <laughs> I was like, okay, we go. And um, yeah, I think that was probably a few things that influenced that. I think the fact I hadn't raced in a while yeah. and it was just like I was ready to go. Yeah. And yeah. um, and then I had it in my head I was gonna go off hard. It was the first half marathon I did, and I was like, maybe on the off chance I can surprise myself and yeah. just go out hard and and kind of like the ignorance to the to the distance and kind of the the naivety might pay off because you, you don't know what it's going to feel like did you surprise yourself um in a way that i didn't think i was but um yeah i went through um well i came through the first mile like four thirty something and i was like oh this 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 could be quite painful um did a couple of laps i felt okay you're not you're not wearing a watch though are you in, in, I'm ju- just had, just how, did, how did you know running. Just had the time running, so I didn't really know what I was running until I hit a mile marker. Okay, so um, yeah, yeah. So so Steve, his only advice he was like, just just got just run like fast, relaxed, run what feels comfortable. And I was like, well, this does because I'm used to running for ten k's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like this does feel comfortable for for what a ten k would be, um, but I guess I'm running twice the distance, aren't I? And um, yeah, I ran a couple of laps. I felt brilliant. I was leading. I was like, yeah, everyone was cheering me. I was like, yeah, this is great. This is uh, I. No problem. And then it was, um, what's the Gates head lad? Callum Johnson, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He stormed past me about 10k. And all of a sudden, I went from feeling brilliant to thinking, oh, I'm hurting a bit here. And then the main group came past me, probably another mile and a half later. And then I was in trouble. Were you starting to slow down? Yeah, and then because I wasn't wearing the watch and I didn't have any concept of pace, I was like, I think I'm running like seven minute miles here. Like this is this is pointless. Like why I'm doing this? I was like, like I may as well just pull out. Um, and in the end, I just mentally broke, and I kind of like regret it now. But I pulled out like eleven miles, and as soon as I sat down, I regretted it, and I thought I shouldn't have sat down. But 
Yeah. You've gone now, haven't you? You've yeah. lost, yeah. Um, what did your coach say about that? Um, he just laughed and he was like, yeah, when I ran my first half, I ran 74 minutes and, and I, I blew up. So it was kind of... Yeah. Um, but it's one of those. I wasn't really that bothered. You know, it's... It, think you go for it and if you blow up like who cares really yeah. I mean you, you can have a laugh about it and no one's really that bothered are you like if if you pull out a race or if you run bad so but you learn from it and then you achieve this yeah. this, this wonderful time I think yeah. 28.54 for 10k mm. 13.59 for 5k which is also very impressive yeah that was a couple of years ago that, that. was a year today year exactly today yeah. tell us about that performance so um and by the way Alistair was telling me um the 5k it was an interesting idea it's very hard to get right he was saying and I thought that's interesting mm. because you know you've, it's just it's quite short really 3 miles 5k yes. uh, whereas the 10k you got a bit more time to, to three, 5k I can understand that idea would you yeah. agree with that? yeah I think it's hard to make it's hard to make time back up in a 5k isn't it you've got to be mm. kind of committed to the pace from early on that's true, yeah you know, because it's hard to, to make that, say, 15 seconds in the last mile mm. um, compared to, saying a 10K where you can probably, you've got a bit more time to work with there, haven't you? Yeah. So, yeah, I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah, you could have a poor mile in a 10K and then really sort of yeah. get back up, whereas in a 5, yeah. I That's understand. a big hit, that, isn't it, in a that, 5? Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. And, of course, you've got the start. In the Within the 5K, you know, that start, you've got to get off to a good start, whereas if yeah. you did get off to a... Not a poor one, but you know yeah. you, you could pull but it. But if back. you settle yeah. too much, and you, you you throw away ten seconds, which is it's going to be quite hard to, to pull back in the last mile, isn't it? Yeah. And the other thing, you can go off too fast in a five k, and then that that's also no good. Yeah. It's it's it's. But it's you, you've harder. got. I think you've got to put yourself out there as well, and I think a lot of people are scared to do that, and mm. they think, well, what if I blow up? And you're like, well, yeah. there's always another race. You may as well commit yeah. yourself. And See, I, I think I think that's much on when it goes to race. Yeah. He's, he's too scared of committing to yeah. it. In a five k. I'm a little bit. I mean, I'm yeah. the opposite way. Like I've yeah. had some stupid four ten miles for the first well, time. I mean, you've, you've got to put yourself there. Really I think, yeah, I think around, you know, you turn up and there's someone there that's going to race you. You go with him, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like you know, why would you turn up and and, and race for fifth place? Why yeah. would you not well, that's place, it, yeah. isn't it? I, to be fair, I I did that the last, the last podium. Yeah, I raced that. I made that mistake. Mm. The, the lads there were all 13, yeah. 30 guys, everything like that, and we. I felt like it was slow. Felt yeah. slow the pace, and I was getting shoulder elbowed and everything like that. I, I got myself up to the front and I thought, I don't have any right to lead this race. Yeah. And I sat back in, and then that was it. And he had switched off, and yeah. I just speed off the back of him then. And I wonder what. Because it was fit at the time, what could have happened if I kept my head yeah, yeah. in that sort it of is, thing? I think it is a very mental as well. And I think yeah, as soon yeah. as you start analysing stuff in the race, I think you're, you're in trouble. But it's like like podium last year. I, I went out with the with the Mark Scott group, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was way too far. I think I was at eight fifteen through three k, um, and Chris Perry, you know from Warrington, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he just picked me at the line, but he ran smart and he came through. Yeah. And you think, well, maybe if I did run smarter, but but I think you've, you've got to put yourself there because yeah. if I didn't go with that group and you think, oh well, well, what if I went with that and I went? That? I'd always prefer to just to just do it and yeah, you yeah. know. This mentality of putting it on the line. Yeah, I think you've, you've, got a, you've worked really hard. I appreciate that. It's, yeah. it's, it's a great mentality. Um, we were discussing Stephen Jones and his coaching methods and his work rate. Um, that how, how did that, why did you end up making that journey back home to? So um, I went to, a, went to a 4th of July party um, at the time, I was I was I was fluctuating between running really well. I ran fourteen oh two at um, 
like a pacemaker. So I ran at the I front ran the fourteen oh two at Portland Chatfest. Came off that um, in really good shape, and I had another race scheduled for Santa Barbara five k again at sea level. And I figured I could probably run like thirteen fifty here, thirteen forty five, and I can do quite well. Um, but also at the time I had a big crash in just my health. I was quite ill, and I was like. One day I was running with the guys, and the next day I was running with the girls, and it was just I couldn't get that balance. And I don't know mm. if it was the work or if it was everything going on. But this is um, where we're going back now to. This would have been 2019. 2019. About yeah. three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've been training with the group for, for a year. For a year now, nearly. And, um, and how many's in the group, by the way? So um, yeah, you probably if everyone tell- turns up, it's mm. probably about. Eight guys, eight girls, maybe ten guys. 10 That's girls. the group that, yeah. that that Jones works with. And then there's obviously like yeah. people have injured, so you haven't really seen them for a while, and then it, it kind of. Mm. So you're looking at like it's a small group. Yeah, it's is it just small. the one group that he manages? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's so very, and it's, very blessed to be in that. Yeah, it's uh, small, company. personal. It's nice. It's not kind of like you just turn up with a big group, so he knows what everyone's doing, and he's got he's got his eye on everyone, and he give everyone a bit of time. Yeah, so it's a, it's a perfect size group, really. Yeah. So after a year, you, you your health is now a problem. Yeah, it was um it was fourth of July, and they, they have a couple of like races there. So there's always like the, um, they always have like rate like five k's and, and mile races. So I signed up for a mile race and a five k, and pulled out of both. Really, just couldn't run. Like I don't know what was wrong with me. Um, so I thought I'll have the day off now. There was a few lads from from England over. I thought I'll go on a night out with these. We're meant to. Went to the lake for 4th of July and um, ended up getting in like a, a little confrontation with a group of lads from Mexico and right. they ended up jumping me right, okay. um, yeah. and my arm just absolutely smashed into pieces so the, oh, really? so they, the they, bone was stuck out here and I had to have surgery then. Oh jeez, uh, so they, they attacked you? Yeah, I got uh, <laughs> you, What are you laughing at? <laughs> How stupid the story is! Absolutely. So, no, it's a, it's yeah. an interesting tale. Can you talk us through the beating? Yeah. So, um, mouthing off at one lad, and, and another lad come from sort of like from the side. Oh, the Mexicans, and, yeah. Like, body checks yeah. me, and and um, you were on your own. Well, I was with these lads, but they were just. By the time it happened, they would it, they it would just all happen. So, got tackled to the floor and just just kicked on, stamped on. Oh God! Um, by four. Probably about four or five of them. Um, bastard but yeah so I broke my arm and I didn't have health insurance so I was like what do I do was it just your arm that was the main injury the arm was the main one yeah and just like bruises and stuff but the arm was the the, it was sticking out like it was at least it wasn't your leg I suppose yeah yeah Yeah. Um, so I called a few people I was like what do I do called Steve and he was Mm. just like (laughs) what have you been doing Um, he's fighting with the Mexicans there yeah. yeah so um uh, went to hospital, had an X-ray, and they put a bandage on it. Um, and then I figured, they were like, "Yeah, if you get it, if you get surgery here, it's going to cost you about twenty thousand dollars." Jeez. And I was like, Pfft. "I was like, I'm going to have to fly home." Is that how cutthroat they are over there? It's as simple as that. Well, you know? I mean, you wouldn't have to pay it as a lump sum, but you you'd have to pay it back. It be on you. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I, I thought I'm going to have to fly home. So well, yeah. and you could, you're allowed to fly home for a surgery like that. I mean, is I, that think, I don't think you're supposed to fly with, with broken bones. I think that's quite unsafe. Well, you wouldn't tell. In terms them, of the pressure change and yeah. and all the the pieces the bones. Yeah. But well, you wouldn't tell the. No, so yeah, I just, uh, I just you just, just jump on the flight yeah. plane. Yeah. So um, the flights the next day were really expensive, so I had to book the get the day again. So okay, okay. Um, I actually went on the night out after 
after breaking the arm, just went out that night and then oh, yeah. woke up the next day, packed all my stuff and then went home the next day again. And the worry is it's going to set, like, yeah. you know, out of... So uh, I had surgery, I think I had surgery on, like, the last recommended day of when to leave it. I think you had to leave it for, like, 10 odd days and I had surgery on the last day of that. Lucky, yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, because I was feeling ill, I went and got all that checked and they thought I had lymphoma that time and I had to go and have CT scans and... Okay. And MRIs, and I was I was feeling really ill. I wasn't running, and my arm was in bandage, Doing and I was like in and out of hospital for different stuff. So which uh, hospital would this be? This um, was back in North Wales. Right. Okay. Um, Can we mention the hospital? That was Glencluid. Glencluid hospital. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, I thought I'm not in a stable position to go back out to the states, and at that point, I kind of just just called it a day. Right. Um, and did you tell that to your coach? How yeah. Was, so what? I explained the whole situation, he... and he was like, "Well, like, I figured something was up the way you were like really." fluctuating in your training and mm. um, yeah. so we spent from from the July till the January so nearly what half a year just not running getting myself right getting right. myself sorted um, and I think at the end it came out they, they think it was a pneumonia just so now you've not got cancer you've got pneumonia instead pneumonia and they, they treat that with meds and it just took a lot of time to just recover and it wasn't pneumonia it was just pneumonia, yeah. Oh, it was? Yeah, yeah, pneumonia, but um, oh. it lasted a while and it was just kind of... I thought you were going to tell, tell me that it was colitis. No, no, so colitis was the following year, so it was like a, a okay. double whammy. So then I spent the lockdown with COVID this year back in back in real, um, getting fit, and then I ran podium, and then the colitis popped, and then that was another half a year. And tell the listener, what is colitis? How does it affect you? Can you cure it? Possibly, maybe. So, colitis, it can't be cured, but it can be managed. And it's, you, your immune system is attacking your digestive system. And that, in in turn, just, just causes a lot of discomfort in your stomach. And, and what's kicked this off? The, you know? um, I think I've probably had it all my life. And I've been through flare-ups, but I've never really thought anything of it. Yeah. You know, as a runner, you, you do get an upset stomach, yeah. don't you, now and again. And you just kind of disregard it. So, the immune system is attacking the stomach. Mm. And perhaps take a medication to root to stop. So I am taking medication and, and injections just to, to stabilize that. And then of course that has its side effects, and you train so hard, which is yeah. great respect for what you do, and yet uh, that's just something else that you've got to deal with. Yeah, that, so that was that was it was quite a big hit. That was probably the hardest hit. Was I ran that thirteen fifty nine after coming back from the other illness and. But well, hang on a second. Sorry, when you realise it's not cancer, it's it's pneumonia, and you've mm. recovered. Is there any feeling of going back to 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 uh, oh. where, where, Boulder? Boulder. Um, there was, but I think I was I was too far settled here then, and I'd I'd got myself a little job here. And, and you'd met and, you'd met the love of your life. And I did. I met Clodagh then. Clodagh. Um, yeah. So yeah. Was, is that was, is that when you met her? Yeah, it was when I come back. Yeah. From pneumonia. Yeah. She she uh, you she came yeah, yeah. wonderful wonderful so story. So she helped me out a lot and then and um, then you thought I can't go back to Boulder because I'd have to take Clodagh with me yeah and that that's all just just got settled yeah. here and yeah. and I I wasn't opposed to living here I enjoyed the lifestyle I did miss my family and all that stuff so it wasn't it wasn't bad being back I actually quite enjoyed it in a way yeah. you know I missed the training out there and I missed the group but. It's you know you can't have the best of both worlds, can you? And then the coach would re-engage with you. Then then you say, well, I've not got cancer. I've not. I've got pneumonia. Can you? What was the request then to keep sort of in touch to keep him? Yeah. Is so that he, do you have to make like, that request or? Well, he said he was like, what do you want to do? Train going on training? Are you going to train? Do you want me? To? And it, and I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love your training. I'd like to mm. carry on being coached by you. And he was like, that's fine. 
he was like, we can do it remotely. He was, he was like, if you any chat any time want to move to a coach at home, I understand that you want to be with a group and stuff. That's absolutely fine. He was like, don't feel like you you were obliged to stay with me. Um, but I, the training was going well. I enjoyed the training, so I stayed with him. And that year, twenty would have been twenty twenty. He got me fit for podium around thirteen. 15, remotely, right? remotely, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was while running through the, all these colitis symptoms that were flaring up. And you didn't summer. know what what that was. No, so uh, I, was, I was, I hadn't been to the hospital yet. I was just kind of like ignoring it, mm. um, and then it was getting quite severe. And I figured run podium and have the time off until it's right. Mm. And that time off didn't end up being until January. So and you you ran the podium and you get what time did you get? Thirteen fifty nine. This is the the PB. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you were running. You were. You were Liverpool still then, were you? you I would have been Cardiff. Just Charles. going Cardiff, yeah. Um, and obviously, you you want to run for for Wales. You've ran for Wales, but the, the Welsh connection there is in, this is the reason, perhaps, yeah, why you're Cardiff. I think it's nice to have that that Welsh connection and, and just. It's it's a big club, but it's nowhere near where you're from, though, is it? I mean, you know, yeah, uh, Cardiff far, is yeah. South Wales. It's probably about four or five hours away, so it's it's. it's why not keep? Away. Could you not keep the connection with? Um, What's the first club that you joined? Sorry, um, Colin Bay. Colin Bay. You find a lot of Welsh athletics is run through Cardiff and Swansea, mm. so I think being involved with them is probably the way to go. Which is a bit of a. Uh, did, you, did yeah. you not want to? Did you not want to base yourself down there when you when you like doing that? Because obviously you got James mm. T there and the likes of and the group that he's got. Not really. No, um, I n- never really give that much thought for yeah. living around there. Um, I kind of I was settled back home in real. Yeah. And then I met Clover in Liverpool and I was quite happy just bouncing between the two here. Yeah. And then the day I signed for Cardiff was the day I moved to Liverpool. So <laughs> Right, yeah, that's interesting. One of those. Um so it's kind of like like it's all there's always pros and cons of everything yeah. and, and a pro of it is obviously being in that Welsh loop and the Welsh connection, but a con is it's so far away. Yeah. This is more the politics of of sport in a way. I think so, it yeah. Seems to be. I think so, yeah. I think it's because really, you you could be you could run for the team you wanted to run for, perhaps. I'm not saying Cardiff's not your first job, but mm. and still achieve all those other things. They could still be selected. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's left some good uh, some good banter going into the towards the national road relays between the yeah, yeah. training runs that I'm joining. That's it. It's a fly on the wall as a as a, as a <laughs> son athlete that will, probably won't even uh, make the national <laughs> national relays as a team, but. Uh, it's good to, good to hear the jokes. yeah I think that's that's a big plus of it is it's exciting to see like the guys we could turn out to at to a 12 stage um, and it'd be exciting to be a part of that you know yeah. um, see coming to the sport late the 12 stage it, um, I keep hearing it's really important why, why is it so important it's a team it's the, is it the main team event to be honest I'm the same I've never run it I, and being out in the States it's kind of been something that you half hear about but I've mm. never been involved why is this twelve stage so important? Is it? Is, just the, why is it that? Why is it that sort of the pinnacle of? of I think it's the, the history to it, but it is. It is. You know, athletics is, is such an individual sport, but the twelve stage is, is a team. Mm. Is a team event. You know what I mean? Like it's it's. You know, you get guys like you that will take a wrong turn and get the whole Liverpool squad disqualified. So I'm fairly certain you won't make the squad. In the first <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, but it, it is, it's a team event. You get, you know, you. You support each other and stuff yeah. like that. Whereas the rest of the time, you, you, yeah, you train together, but yeah. you're out there to try and. Why twelve though? Twelve seems like um, 
There's a six and a twelve, yeah. um, which is regarded as the you know six or the twelve. Which is, is, the, is the, well, it's the history of the twelve. The twelve really? is sort of a historic sort of. So the six is a, a more recent adaptation from the twelve. Is it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it, you've got to be first claim, have you, for the club that you're on for? Yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah, so you can't be second claim. No, that's interesting. And the team turns out and has to qualify for the nationals. Is that correct? Yeah, you've got to run. Yeah, you've got to run like um, at the northerns. We'll have to do the northerns. Yeah, that. I recall. Yeah. I recall individual. I won't mention his name, but he 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 had he had ran in the qualifying and and got mm. the team to the nationals, and then they had such strong you know athlete mm. perhaps better than him, I'm not sure and then he was eliminated for the nationals mm. so this kind of thing goes on and you think well hang on if it's a team sport he was a part of the success to bring you to yeah. the to the event shouldn't he be involved it's but, like yeah. as well that isn't it you yeah know, that's that's the same yeah. Finals yeah. And, you know. yeah that's interesting yeah so yeah, the nationals are, are, the title in it you know what I mean like, I mean if you if you're not in a place of you know, the team's not in a place to win a title sort of thing. The chances are he would be in the team, you know what yeah. I mean? But if you've got other guys that are part of the club but maybe live all over the rest of the country so they don't they don't come for sort of like the qualifying rounds and stuff like that but can yeah. be there then for the national and, and aim to take that title then you're going to bring them in. Let's you? say you win the national, um, Cardiff. Um, it's it's like winning the World Cup, is it? You, you celebrate in the streets. <laughs> I've never been there I've never been involved I've never even considered doing it really because well I was with North Wales Cubs before that and um, I was with Liverpool for a brief time but I wasn't really racing for them and I was in the States so um, it'd be it'd be it would be it'd be a nice accolade it's, it's a gold medal in the, in the in the cabinet it's a 12 stage well, we, we, but a, know, lot, a lot of people wouldn't know what you were talking about if I said 12 stage mm-hmm. to anyone in this street they'd, they'd think I was no they, no they wouldn't but in the running world you yeah. know, you in the running world but only 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 particularly in this country though yeah yeah, yeah I'd yeah, say so yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's probably not as prestigious as say I don't know winning an NCAA title yeah, or yeah. something but it's um, I mean it's huge in this country yeah what is that by the way the NCAA so that's like the collegiate competition over there that's like the national championship over there well, now we're going to move on to. So we, we've we've you've got the colitis. You've kind of balanced it out, mm. and, and you've got this wonderful woman in your life, Cloda, and you're in good good contact with the whole family. Your, your yeah. mother and father, Caroline and Alan. Alan yeah. Um, and you're to and from Real and Liverpool, and you're teaching. You're teaching as well, and and. And you utilising that degree. Yeah. How long have you been doing that for? Um, so I've been um, teaching here probably close to two years now. Just after I'd come back from um, Boulder. And I've been listening to your stories about teaching in Liverpool. Yeah. And um, I say my prayers for you most days uh, before uh, I leave yeah. for work. You know, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm teaching, in a, <laughs> teaching in a behaviour school. So all the kids that have been kicked out of mainstream school come to us. Um, but I, I love it you know I, I kind of I don't think I was ever as bad as any of these but I understand a lot of the behaviours and you can kind of get down to their level and, yeah. and have a laugh with them and, and that's what they'd want they don't want someone that's going to go in and throw the book at them and, and kind of scream and shout at them and make do you them... not throw any books? well I feel like it sometimes but uh, <laughs> that's just, I'll leave that to them <laughs> but yeah it's a good laugh it is and, and yeah it's brilliant and I think we're 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 going to talk about the Olympics and mm. and other things and and 
and and pork burritos and everything really. But the the um, but we want to just bring bring the listener up up to where you are in your career and your ambitions going forward. You're only 26. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might say that's that he's an old man, but mm-hmm. actually, actually not. Um, depending on the event. Tell, tell us about your ambitions, please. Uh, and have we have we got to the, to this? Because we're, we're still two years behind, aren't we, I think? So we've, um, so we've, we've ran podium and we've had, yeah, had the colitis, we've had the, the, the get back and we're then we were, we're up we're to this year now where... Working remotely, uh, signed up yeah, with yeah, Cardiff. Yeah, Cardiff. Um, butchered the mid-Cheshire half, um, did a couple of, localist track and roll races and then and then we did Leeds which was the most the classic the classic which was the 2854 which then opened it it kind of it made me realise that that Commonwealth standard of 2830 is is really realistic now and if you run 2830 bang on was it under that sorry sorry so let's say 28 29 Mm-hmm. Does that mean you're automatically selected for for Wales in the Commonwealth Games? No, so I think it's the criteria. You've got to hit the standard, and then you'll have to go to. I'm assuming it'll be the Welsh champs and finish top two. Top I'm assuming. Two. Yeah. Um. One lad's got the time already, and and that's it so far. So. So what if it's just you and him who get the time? Let's say, and you can turn up at the Welsh champs. There's only two of you with the time. All you have to do is finish the race. I don't know. No, that it's, it's usually it's usually. Still, you'd have to finish top two to guarantee. Right. But even even with the combo thing, I mean, I don't know. How would they select they, anybody else though? Because that nobody else has, has got the standard. They might just decide to take one. Oh, they it can, can be that oh. sort of brutal. And and to be fair, I don't know what um, Wales has set out like the parameters for, but mm. England's announced they're only taking a small. They're, they're taking less numbers of athletes than there are actually events to take athletes ridiculous. for. So there's like. The, there's going to be loads of people just not going, and it's a home yeah, game. I don't understand why. Like, so to be fair, though, the English have always been a bit odd, haven't That's they? That's it, yeah. <laughs> they just stick us you back me up there, Nathan. <laughs> <aren't they? laughs> but I think like, you've got to take a full team, haven't you? To, yeah, so to it's not like they're paying for flights to yeah, like, like that. It's, a, it's appalling. I think it's yeah, appalling. You've got these more, people. There's probably more yeah. officials and uh, coaches yeah. and things that paid for official team physios and things that will go to it than there will be actual athletes. You'd imagine most people would fund it themselves to go. If if I had the option and they said you have to pay for it, well, I'd I'd definitely pay for a hotel and stuff myself. And there you go, showing the passion and drive and willing to pay for your own. Well, the thing is they don't let you do that because you say it's unfair then on athletes that wouldn't be able to self-fund themselves they don't let they don't mm-hmm. let anyone do that and that's the reasoning behind that but I think if, I think if yeah. someone with the crowdfunding and stuff like that now even yeah. if you didn't have the money yourself to put forward yeah. if you'd done enough to qualify and got the selection you'd crowdfund it and the, the money yeah. you'd have the money people would put it there for yeah. you so I, I think that's a, a a rubbish sort of uh, yeah shitty sort of way of trying to do things really and it needs yeah. to get updated with the times and yeah. let yeah. Yeah. Turn it all up. Because I think I think that's a way you know you get and it's a way to that's get sponsors it. and all the rest of it as well. It rewards your athletes, yeah. isn't it? Like, you know, they've, they've put all this work in and you, you're not going to give them a sniff because, well, they finished the position slower than what they would have on, yeah, on yeah. just maybe an off day or... I can feel we've touched a nerve in the room. Um, the bureaucrats are not... Uh, they don't have much sympathy at the table here. That's it. I think it's... They're, they're sort of touch with, with what's going on, haven't they? I think they are. And then I think back to Mo Farah, because they put on a special race mm. for him and he, he still failed miserably. I mean, what what's going on with these bureaucrats? What are they thinking? Well, I think 
Yeah. Oh, it's money, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, you know, money and viewers. Um, hey, credit to Mo Farah, he's done a lot for the country, and maybe he does deserve that race. But you look, Leeds was the same night. Why couldn't you have gone and supported a local event that's up and coming instead of having the Mo show at, at, yeah, yeah. at, at Championship that's already yeah, been? Yeah. It didn't work out for him, did it? No. Anyway... Um, now we're up to date but uh, ambitions going forward uh, of course you've mentioned the Commonwealth mm-hmm. I can see you I've mentioned this to you before going for the marathon in the future yeah. would you like to discuss that with the listeners um, yeah I think I think I, there's a lot more potential in the 10k and the 5k before I even think consider the marathon now. why is that important though to, to get you know your very best from 10k if actually at the marathon you're going to be more successful if we can imagine that that's where you're going to mm-hmm. have your real success why not go there now? Tell us about I understand, but mm. the listener will be interested in why it is important to get the best from your 10K. Can you tell us about I that? think once you go up a distance, it's hard to come back down. Um, right. And if anything, I think I'm still enjoying the I'm still enjoying the track. I think that's the main thing is, um, say I move to the marathon now and I have another 14 years in the marathon. Mm. And it, it could be a mental burnout as well. Right. Whereas if I say run the 10k for a few more years get what I want out of that and then it's, it's a completely new challenge then it's a new refresh and it's new it's, it, it totally changes the goals and the, the mentality then and I think it's probably a mental refresh that you need um, instead of just stagnating in one specific event well said well mm-hmm. said now I'd like to move on we'll talk about the Olympics I sadly don't have um, I'm not connected to the BBC or anything mm. I've, I've not really seen anything of the Olympics but I will be looking forward to to our training partner David Devine who flies mm-hmm. out on Thursday mm-hmm. to Tokyo and then he's got maybe a couple of weeks maybe before two weeks yeah. races the following Thursday yeah really looking for I'll be making special he's efforts to watch that yeah the first day of the athletics for is it yeah, yeah. straight yeah. final isn't it he yeah. said yeah, um, yeah. he's favourite so he's he's ran 14-15 this year hasn't he and he said the Australians ran 1405 like and then he said there's a group maybe about five or six that have run around what he's run seven or eight so in total it's competitive on the day anything can happen I think he's in a good position he, he hasn't got that yeah. target on his back and he can tuck it in behind can, you, you yeah. did mention to him today you know as friends you, you tend to maybe we shouldn't give advice mm. I like to give advice to Matthew he never listens to me yeah. but um, tucking in behind mm. the Aust- Australia you know he hopefully won't be listening um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that's a great philosophy to just tuck in behind because in that kind of race, if you go ahead and and as you said that target on your back, but I'm, I'm talking is, is, I'm talking yeah. to, to two guys. Dave's going there to try and win, isn't he? Do you yeah. know what I mean? So he's there's no point in. in I mean, we saw, I suppose, talking about the Olympics. I, mean, I say we saw. I don't know if you saw it. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. John but um, Safana Sam trying to do her, uh, yeah. a, a treble, and obviously in the fifteen. Seemed like the weirdest tactics ever when she'd already run the five thousand and that was her legs to take it yeah. out something yeah. when she's known for having the kick and mm. probably could have easily have, have maybe sat yeah. back and stuff and obviously that she she didn't get the, the gold in that and yeah. you know didn't, she, it, she still got a medal though. In my defence, it was it was Nathan's advice to tuck in behind. I mean, I'm talking to two people here who yeah. don't know what tucking in behind means. <laughs> but um, it's easy to give advice, but it's hard to take it. Uh, he says yeah. that to me. But championships, I'm sure in a championship race, you do the same thing. I don't. I, I mean, my favourite 
my, my best experience and my probably top of my career sort of mm. thing so far was winning the Northern 5,000 mm. metres where I ran it from the back of the field yeah. to the halfway point threw in a 204, 800 metres at halfway broke the field down to four of us sat back in behind the pack and then yeah. went with 300 metres to go Yeah. so that was tactical by the way, on that note, David is now the Northern Champion. He, yeah. took, he took your title. Well, I didn't anyway. race. I didn't defend uh, it. He still, he still took really, it. You know, still we'll, have took to, it. Yeah. we'll have to have a go next year and, and see whether and, he, he keeps it. And he burnt, <laughs> he burnt you off last Sunday uh, round Croxteth. He did. He's uh, got a hot uh, run course record, though. I know, uh, Croxteth. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm uh, lined up on oh. the 21st of August. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And on, <laughs> on Park Run, by the way, you, fair play to you, Matthew. You're now the... He's now the... Who are you? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Stat Moors. Um, uh, yeah, go. You, yeah, but he knocked thirty <laughs> seconds off the off the time. Thirty seconds. Oh, it, it's quite a difficult course. It's up and down. It's trailing mm. that. It's fi- it's now fifteen forty five. So well done on that. There we go. Um, talking about the Olympics, I think this is really interesting. Um, Callum Hawkins was given this this blank check. I'd say it was a blank check. Um, he was sent to the Olympics. Um, you don't listen, bud. Off you go, lad. We're, we're not gonna we're not gonna question you. Yeah. Yeah, enjoy yourself. If, if you did finish fourth, hang on, let me. Like yeah. The year before, how long are you going back? Yeah, we're talking twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Did that is did, that no for one, me is no just not acceptable. Going, so. It's not acceptable. Okay, it's not acceptable. Okay, there you go, Callum. Blank check. Have a nice time. Enjoy yourself. Oh, I don't even need to train for it. Right next, we've got the the, the that we've got the the forty year old, and you know what? I've got some respect for the. He was thirty nine. He's forty now. He's forty years of age, mm. and he's going to the Olympics as one of three Britons to represent in the marathon. He finished the race. He's the only I know. I know. And 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 if you let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> No, he finished the race, and I say, I've got great respect for him. And then the other guy, I uh, forget his name, ben Connor. ben Connor. So, what happened to him? In the, now we're talking about this Olympic race, but my sadness, really, and my disappointment is with Johnny Maller, because as the British champion, not being able to go, God, he must be furious. I mean, the way I think the way he's been treated by who? What's the body called? British Athletics? Is, it? is that what they yeah, call them? Yeah, UK yeah. Athletics. Um, for me, it doesn't make any sense. You've got to be very fair, and to to I don't understand it, but it doesn't make any sense. That's why I'm asking you guys the questions. You, you seem to understand the politics a lot better than me. But to pick out Hawkins from 2019. And then to ask Johnny to run again when he when he wasn't fit to run again at that little, at that particular point. And then looking at the race itself, Callum drops out. The other guy did he drop out as well? So you two dropouts and a forty year old who finishes, and then now is it, you've got to ask questions. Now is the time to ask questions about the select selection the decisions not on selection but the way in which they they process it. The way in which they give opportunity. Well, I, I mean, you've heard me. I've always said I, I like the American system. I like the three, the first three, yeah. and I think that's non-negotiable, isn't it? You've it, got it, to be there. Yeah, you've, you've got, got to, you've got to turn up for the trials. It makes yeah. the trials more exciting for the runners. It makes the trials more exciting for the the fans that are watching yeah. it. Um, you know, like, I mean, I watched the US trials. It was brilliant. I watched yeah. the UK trials, and uh, I spanned through most of it, and I wasn't that and interested by it because a lot of the a lot of the top guys didn't even turn up at the trials. Really, yeah. because so they, this is they the difference. The races to go and do they don't have to turn up at the trials. 
But the trial is the is, is basically, it's, as you say, non-negotiable. That's the yeah, key word. That's it, yeah. Non-negotiable. You've got to be there and you've got to finish in the first three. Mm-hmm. And it's non-negotiable. But the bureaucrats of UK athletics, they love negotiation. They love brown envelopes. They... <laughs> That's a joke, you know. But they 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 love to to sort of make decisions, but yeah. it's not based on reason. I don't, I don't but think then it, it is. Makes you think then is there something going on, and you yeah. know it, it arises that question of well, why is he getting picked or you know? I mean, the, the question is if it, if it had been the three at the trials, obviously Johnny had picked up an injury, would he have risked going to the trials? with it or, or would he not mm. because they, either way he might not have ended up being selected because he, he might not have been able to actually attend the trials anyway yeah. Callum did run at the trials he just did it as a pacemaking job he looked comfortable when he was yeah. there he probably could have quite happily finished that race he, he didn't finish to. the race no he was, a, he was there to be a pacemaker that's, because he'd already, he'd, he'd already been selected yeah. but if what, it had been the first three at trials where did he finish it, where did he drop out at uh, what stage 30k yeah which is you probably look at a lot 18 of, miles somewhere around yeah, there, yeah, yeah. In, in their defence I think it did look a gruelling day yeah, there was about 30 plus athletes that, that didn't but, but then, make it but then it's a gruelling day for everyone involved yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. but I guess that, the marathon is such a long way isn't it and there's yeah. so many variables and I don't know in hindsight you can probably say well they pulled out and he should have gone but. But, but we're all agreed though the system you're not happy with the system it doesn't make any sense to me Matthew has said the American system is better um, you, you mentioned that they'll send the team as well they'll, 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 it's first three yeah you've got to have the qualifying time but they'll send the team whereas yeah in the UK and things they may not even send we you we might not send the yeah. whole team and I agree with as long as they're sending the team and it's of the best guys and there's some reason behind it I can get on board with that I think it's when they're not sending the team or they're not given the opportunities of, of maybe sending as many athletes as they can like I think they should try and look after their athletes instead of picking out say the top couple like Mo Farah and saying right okay yeah. you can go because you're going to potentially have a medal but you can't go because well you're not going to win anything that's, an, all, that's an awful you're thing to do you're denying someone of yeah. an, an experience of uh, the experience you know, yeah. so important and also if you have that experience you develop maybe even further. You go again, maybe, yeah. and you 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 learn from it. Yeah. But they're not giving people that opportunity, yeah. and I think that's. And that's uh, why you probably see people not at, at trials because you think, well, what's the point? Like they're not going to get a chance anyway. Yeah. Go to the trial. So we're all agreed that this, it's not fit for purpose. If if this this show was room one hundred and one, <laughs> UK athletics would be we'd be now pulling the lever. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say too much. I don't want to get in too much trouble here. No, no, I want no, to try no, and get on these teams. No, no. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to pull the label out. It's gone. Yeah. Um, so it's gone. It's gone into the the box. Um, yeah, I think we can move on to topic now. Drugs in sports. Uh, that's a great one. It's an easier topic to discuss. Um, I've I've lost track of, of I mean I don't remember any of the names of, of the individuals involved in these barbaric mm. burritos um, <laughs> <laughs> but please can you when you look at the athletes on your television screens when you s- straddle alongside them in real life 
Um, do you have any doubts in your mind? Be, because you'd prefer to have some doubts because mm. they quite a few of them have been tested positive. So, yeah. I mean, that in itself, would, would alarm bells would be ringing. We've heard from uh, um, Anne Griffiths, amazing athlete from 92. She was stepping at the Olympics, looking at these other women and actually, yeah, having some question marks mm. over their training and, and why they looked, you know, so much whew, more, yeah. you know. Um during COVID, Nathan Matthews been uh, been uh, niggling me, telling me, telling me that, that they've not been testing like during COVID. Well, we had we had the uh, the Nigerian team at the Olympics. Um, were um, uh, quite a large portion of the team weren't allowed to compete because they hadn't had enough out of competition testing, which is done, oh. which is meant to be done by the the governing body um, in 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 that country, um, and they hadn't done enough of them, uh, so the team weren't allowed to compete. And then one of their athletes in the 100 metres, uh, Blessing Akabara, was found, uh, she tested positive at the Olympics and was withdrawn after the heats. I, uh, I don't understand that, that, that if they've taken the team out and how is she still running, sorry? So the, it was the, um, it, it must have been a test result that came back, I don't know, during, well, they got the result during the games, mm. um, whether it was a test from before she went out or, or what, because she was she was one of the, the favourites potentially for a medal. Mm. Um, and so she was she run in the heat and then was withdrawn um, because her test had come back positive. Um, and as I say, a lot of the rest of the team they didn't done. have any, it, it wasn't that they tested positive or anything, but they hadn't had enough out of yeah. competition testing done so but that I mean you know and, and you sorry for those athletes because they were taken out there and obviously the reason they didn't have enough done was because the national because the governing body yeah. didn't sort of that out and arrange it for them and things so uh, it's it's not on their athletes themselves it's on the governing body there I and, can't I can't imagine the Nigerian governing body would have imagined all their athletes being pulled out because they hadn't been tested mm-hmm. enough you'd think it would be very clear as to what you have to do and what, you know. I think it's just a good point that's made though, isn't it? It goes to show, you yeah. need to test, you yeah, need to yeah, do yeah. this, otherwise we're yeah. gonna, we're not gonna, like, have oh, any, like... Yeah. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of people have would they questions. Would they have done that to the American team though? Hmm. Well. Well, yeah, you, you know, I mean... It comes down to, to well, dodge I mean, them, doesn't it? Money as well, I think. I, I, I sadly imagine that that wouldn't have happened to the American team. Um, is it, well, it's, it's the system of, out of, of, of the anti-doping systems because it, it's controlled by the national governing body rather than being you know I mean RADA regulates everything when it goes to competitions and everything like that but then and then they give the power that be to the national governing body yeah. and so it then comes down to that national governing body doing its job which is to yeah. test the athletes out of competition which um, is probably the more essential part is, yeah, it's more essential. And, and that comes down to money and that comes down to money being government coming from the government of that country and into that program yeah. and you know places where like like the US where sport is, is such a thing it's such a big thing you know there, there, there's more money in sport so there is more money to put in that whether it is or not is, is another question but there's more money there in, in the UK again there's there's you know funding you know I think UK athletics is something something like 22 million funding or something like that and obviously we, we came away with four medals and mm. no golds at all it was um, bronze and silver so um, you know there's there's a, bit, there's a lot of questions being raised now about UK athletics and where that funding's gone and yeah. you know the medal tally that we've brought back in the athletics you talk about the Russian system the, the they Russian... were all there competing anyway just as the uh, no, Russian you, Olympic yeah. Committee so you mentioned um, that the Russian system that the, the governing body uh, you know the, the testing within Russia 
was it was infiltrated. Um, I don't know why you raise your eyebrows at me, Matthew. <laughs> the <laughs> it was infiltrated by the government because um, they were encouraging them to, to dope. I think that was was that found to, to be. Was that, yeah, uh, I think that's what the investigation was found, and they did a documentary on, on Netflix. And, uh, and so, and so why not have a completely independent sort of uh, body of testers who have to go, have to be very well funded, but funded across the board from from all these these uh, countries that are competing at the Olympics, and have a new system of testing? Could you not do? Imagine a better system, Nathan. I don't know how you control it. Really? I think wherever there's money, there's going to be people pushing to cheat and get any advantage they can you well, know and then you look at science and you, the you, science that goes into all that yeah you huge. talk about money but it's is it it's not money though is it gold medals are not they don't give you money do they is it the prestige or maybe I think, I think well, they open doors to yeah. get some money though don't they um, a country is seen to be doing well yeah. it's it's what they want to you know they, yeah. they, they, I don't know it could, it could affect Tory it could yes. affect yeah. Mo Farah Mo Farah what do you get half a mil a quarter of a mil or something stupid for a period half, half a million for uh, running halfway through yeah. London Marathon the first year he did it and then the other half a million for and that's because of the status of, of potentially winning Olympic medals and doing all that stuff yeah. you know so it does open yeah. doors to right, some okay. money yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, like post now we've got a couple uh, diamond leagues left to go on. Now the those that have have won Olympic gold, the surprise ones as well. I mean, the Italian in the mm. hundred meters and stuff like that would have been like a, a no one really before. I mean, the amount of money you can probably ask for now to appear in the diamond league yeah. to do the hundred is you know is, is going to be sky high. Um, you know, it's the same for other other Olympic champions and stuff. So. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Have we got anything more to discuss today, Matthew? No, Nathan, is there anything burning on your mind that you? We're good. Well, yeah. what I, first of all, um, I want to thank our special guest today. Um, it's been 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 wonderful listening to you and and to reach the standards that you've reached and to the very best in the future. Mm. I know now now that you're running with me on a Sunday, I can see you really so going places. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a wonderful couple of presents. We we have a, some wonderful presents for you. Um, Broken Dreams, uh, the definitive expose of British football corruption by Tom Bauer, and it's now been an updated version. So I've got that. Well, but we always we like to, to encourage encourage reading. Um, I enjoy my football. You, we, we knew that. We knew you're a, a well. Big... I try and enjoy it, but being an Everton fan, it's you're an Everton fan. Far between, isn't it? With I didn't realize you were an Everton days, fan. Yeah. 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 yeah, interesting. Um, any thoughts on Everton in the? Uh, how are they doing at the moment? Um, usually I go into the season with a bit of hope, a bit of excitement, but it's not bothered now. They've uh, assigned Rafa Benitez, which I'm not overly pleased You're with. You're not pleased there. about that. He, he um, was the Liverpool manager, by yeah. the way, Matthew. Um, yeah. Why would that be a problem for you, Nathan? I think he's I think he's done. I think the fact that he's an ex-Liverpool manager is a huge thing. Yeah. And then the fact that he's, I think he's, he's, he's past his sell by now. So leave him on the world. Yeah, and, and he needs and, to stay over there. Perhaps we could have some blockades mm. on the tunnel. I think so, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I, I, we lost 4-0 yesterday, didn't we? So I don't know, is that right? Yeah. We lost 4-0 to Man United. Again, so. Man United, yeah. 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 So it's not looking good. And they're not the best team in the world either. <laughs> yeah. um, the Hidden Persuaders by Vanks Packard. Now, this is a real special read I, I've sent you. I think it was in the 50s, 60s, the Americans put a lot of money into researching what made people tick. And they call them the depth probers, so in advertisements and whatnot. 
um, even Marlborough cigarettes, for example, mm. there'd be a tattoo on the gentleman because they were being sold very well amongst men, but they wanted to feminise, perhaps. Uh, they bring in mm. women's female smokers. And um, so they tried all sorts. And this, this book written by Vance Packard analyzes um, even even for the way you, you blink your eyes in the supermarket, they had hidden cameras on the supermarket shelves and they were observing shoppers, what made them tick, which shelf they were going for, certain colors induced. And it was well ahead, well ahead of its time, the idea and these, these things are going on today. Mm. And um, that's another- That'll be an interesting read, that, yeah. Brilliant. And we've got you some, because we know you're a huge drinker. We've got you some wonderful, <laughs> wonderful pale ale. Five percent that one. Let's have a look at this one. Oh, I can't even pronounce that one. Banana wheat. Yeah. Little Dorado. Four point two percent. Wonderful. Yeah. And finally, restless years. Five point eight percent. Put hers on your chest. That's it. That'll be that'll be good hydration for next week's Sunday run. I always like to finish with something positive about where the person's from, Rill. If you were going to sell Rill to, to, to the rest of the world, oh, wow. what would you like to say about Wales maybe and, 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 and where you're, you're from? Oh, well, well, anywhere out of Rill is a beautiful place. The mountains, the seaside. Uh, if you've never been, you've got to get yourself over there. You can get up to Snowdonia. That's the best place in the world if the weather's good.